Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Kant, author of the number one best-selling book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And if you're new to my podcast, I'd love for you to get my free gift, The Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, Three Ways of Navigating Your Way to More Peace, Positivity, and Personal Power, so you can live the life of your dreams and uh, fulfill your purpose and, um, you know, really have fun doing that. Um, and if you don't have this already, you can go to sensitivesoulguide.com, uh, so sensitivesoulguide.com, and get a copy of this for yourself, absolutely free, my gift to you. Uh, today we are um, very excited because we are um, going to be interviewing Christian de la Huerta, the author of the amazing book, Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free. And I can tell you just, you know, chapter after chapter, I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> just re- just reading the titles of the chapters because, you know, these days, you know, people, I, I'm, you know, I'm very much on Facebook and social media and things like that. And, and as an intuitive, you know, feeling into what people are feeling. And one of the things they are feeling is powerless. Uh, and I'm just talking not just about, you know, um, certain members of my tribe, but just overall the whole uh, people around the world. They're, they're watching media and, and things and, and being convinced of certain things that may or may not be true. And they're feeling powerless. They can't do anything about it. Um, and so they feel like they're kind of a victim and, you know, why bother standing up, you know, for what I believe in because it's not going to work anyway. What's the point, you know? And unfortunately, then we go down into that road of depression um, and anxiety and just not, you know, feeling our life isn't worth living. In fact, a friend of mine who's a Christian um, is, you know, sitting back waiting for the second coming of Christ. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he's saying, look, I, I think I'm going to have to do some things I don't really want to do because, uh, you know, uh, God's not answering me, like what I'm doing, uh, what I should be doing for my health and for my wellness and for my family. So I think this is really, really important, the topic we're talking around today, resolving some ambivalence we have around power, because we've heard that there are very powerful people in the world and they are bad. And so what happens is I know I had this as a kid is that I felt like being powerful was bad. Like, we shouldn't, you know, be powerful because, you know, we could do bad things with that power. And so I think there's some of us that, that have this, this in, ingrained um, mythology around us. So um, Christian De La Huerta has a beautiful new book. Uh, definitely get a copy of it at soulfulpower.com. So it's all one word, soulfulpower.com. And, and check it out. This is a book for our times right now. Absolutely, absolutely needed. Let me tell you a little bit more about Christian. He's a 30-year sought-after spiritual teacher and personal transformation coach veteran who's the leading voice in the breathwork community. He's traveled the world offering inspiring and transformational retreats combining psychological and spiritual teachings with lasting and life-changing effects. Uh, an award-winning, critically acclaimed author, he has spoken at numerous universities and conferences and on the TEDx stage. This book, Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free, was described by multiple Grammy award-winning uh, um, artist Gloria Estevan as a bomb for the soul of anyone searching for truth and answers to life's difficult questions and has received a Nautilus Book Award and a Nonfiction Book Award. And today we're going to be discussing what is soulful power and what healthy masculine power looks like. And I think this is very interesting and important because um, some of the memes going around um, 
from various, you know, people uh, in, 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 um, uh, that are in movers and shakers have been saying, like, where are the men? <laughs> where are the men? Why are the women, all, you know, leading? Where are the men? Where are the protectors? Why are they the ones that, you know, that are, that are holding back? And why are all these women, you know, out there proclaiming their truth and protecting their children? And I, I think, you know, I, I don't really see necessarily that dichotomy. I see just as many men doing it as women. But I know there's some perceptions out there that, hey, where are our guys? You know, how come they're not stepping up? So I really can't wait to um, speak to Christian about that. Um, what is the cost of people selling out their power? What does that look like? What's the cost? And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, personal soul power practices that you can, you know, make a difference in your life today and, uh, you know, steps on taking the journey to more empowerment and so much more. So without further ado, hello, Christian. Thank you for being on the show today. Hi, Dr. Karen. Thanks so much, Thanks so much for having me on the show. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I, I think that, uh, that your book is, like I said, released at a perfect time. <laughs> um, there's so much yeah. going around the world. And, and I don't know, do you, I mean, do you see people um, that you're connected with having that trouble of really, you know, understanding that they're powerful beings? Yeah, exactly. And I was very touched by your by your introduction. And 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 the way the way the the message that you have for sensitive souls because I think those the way that you were describing how easy it is to feel powerful I mean powerless in in the times that we live I mean I know for for one when, when sometimes there are times where I just look at the world and I look at all the problems that we're facing the pandemic terrorism mm. um, you know the the global climate change is like it's it's easy to just say forget it what can i do about any of that uh-huh. and so it's easy to turn within and to feel powerless and and to like go to that place that you said why bother and you know you know what i'm just going to go to the beach and eat a lot of dark chocolate and have a lot of sex <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, and then you know then then you know in those moments when when i've when i've had that and i actually discipline myself not to allow myself to think that way because of the, because then I ask myself, right, what can I do? Like, what can I do personally? Um, because there's not much that I can do personally about the 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 you know any of those individual things. But what can I do? And then I always think, you know what? I can continue to wake myself up. I can con- continue my process of healing and stepping into my power. And I can continue supporting as many people as I can to do the same. And I think that's the answer. It's like in the numbers, like if enough of us say mm-hmm. yes to this call for, for, for our, from our soul, from the depth of our being, to be more than we have ever been before, to no longer be willing to play small, to give our power away, uh, to settle for less, and to come from that place, especially the people listening to this, this audience of, Sensitive souls. I, I love how you say that sensitivity is, is a superpower. Um, then you. enough of us say yes to this, then we can make a difference with all those things that feel overwhelming. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely on the same page. And, and um, you know, I, I, I have to be honest, Christian, I really felt very much like that before. I'm like, I'm one little person, you know, um, I'm, as a child just was kind of what they would call weakling, <laughs> like not very athletic, mm-hmm. just very shy, got bullied, but I always wanted to be a hero. 
and and that I think um, watching superhero movies, there's comics, and my my brother was the same. We were really into superheroes, but it makes sense now, you know, who I am today in my mid fifties, you know, like why I was attracted to that because I think there's a spark in all of us. Not that all of us have to love being heroes or like superhero movies, but there is a spark uh, in us that knows that we can make a difference. And I think everyone that I yeah. meet wants to make a difference. Exactly. And, and, and I love that you, that you grew up because I, I did too. Those were my heroes, you know, those superheroes. And, mm-hmm. and that's why this book is part of a series of three, you know, which talks about what it means to live heroically in the mm. 21st century. You know, when most of us don't have the horse hitched outside and the armors and the demons display, except the ones in our own heads. Yep. Um, and so in a way, COVID, you know, without minimizing the tragic parts of it, it's, it's, there are a lot of things, a lot of good things that can come from it. Yep. If we're willing to do the work that, that, the, that this opportunity, this global timeout has presented to us. And I think one of the ways that it has benefited us is it's expanded the way we think of heroism. Like before mm-hmm. the pandemic, most of us thought of, you know, when we heard that word hero, we thought of, you know, either superheroes with a cape and that three-point landing, you know, on the knee, uh, or we thought maybe warriors, <laughs> first responders, mm-hmm. firefighters, that kind of thing. Yes. And, but, and then now we extend it to we include, you know, our, our healthcare practitioners who literally place their lives at risk to, to keep us going and are still doing that. And even grocery store clerks, delivery people who, who made a lot of sacrifices to keep the rest of us going and fed and provided for. And our farmers. And but then the question becomes, teachers Uh, and moms who are advocating for their children and oh my gosh so many heroes i've been seeing exactly and so that then that that's what the question is what about the rest of us and and i total i'm totally with you we all have that that potential and that desire and that longing belonging to live heroically so what does that mean and that's what i i dive into in in this book series Mm, yeah it's beautiful It's beautiful. Now you said this is a book series, so I didn't I didn't realize that. <laughs> so is this book one yeah. or book three? I'm I'm This I'm is book sure. one. I'm about okay. probably two thirds of the way with the second one that it's a continuation of this, but applying oh, wonderful. specifically on relationships. Like how do we do relationships Ooh. consciously? Oh, I yeah. love it. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, Christian, since you're new to our tribe, would love for you to share a little bit about your background. Um, most of us don't, you know, wake up as a as a baby going, "Well, I'm going to be a best-selling author and change the world." <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so. So, what what yeah. happened in your background that led you up to this point uh, of awareness? Yeah, and you know what, I, I I I get a little bit into my personal story in the book, even though I'm. You know, I'm introverted, basically, so for me <laughs> to tell my story is a bit of a stretch, but I know that it's important because I, the, what I write about and what I live is stuff that I live. It's, stuff that, it's not stuff I picked up from another book or that I or right. a weekend seminar. Um, yep. It's stuff that I live and I know works because my entire adolescence was one long depression. I know self-hatred. Yeah. I know self-hatred even. Um, and, you know, I had suicidal thoughts as a teenager and flash forward to now. Um, it's like no matter what happens in my mm. life, no matter the details, the circumstances, whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, a project succeeds or it fails, in quotes, um, never 
ever, Dr. Karen, do I question my self-worth anymore. It's like, I know who I am. And nothing, none of the details of my life ever shake that, that sense of, of self-respect and self-worth. So I know that no matter what happened in our pasts, I know all that stuff can get healed and I, get, and I, and I can get transformed um, and transmuted into personal empowerment. Um, and, and so that's what I guide people through in the book. And to, you know, to answer your question, I was raised in, I'm, a, I'm also kind of unlikely to be speaking about personal empowerment and what it means to live heroically because I lived my first 10 years of life in, in Cuba in a communist regime know. where any discussion of personal power, is, it's ridiculous. It's laughable because there is no such thing. The state owns you and tells you what to believe and what to do. Wow. Uh, and so, and also, I was raised in, in a very Catholic environment, a very Catholic family. And with all due respect, it's also a very hierarchical power structure. You know, where uh-huh. power comes from above, and there's a hierarchy from the Pope to the Archbishop to the bishops to the priests, yeah. etc. Right? And and they, you're told what to believe and what's right and what's wrong. So, for me to have you know, made it away that, you know, we came into the States when I was 10. I didn't speak a word of English. So I was, we lived in the middle of a small town in the middle of Georgia where, where nobody spoke Spanish in my class and where they didn't take very kindly to foreigners. Um, and so I, I know, you know, what, what it's like to feel different, what it's like to be the other, what it, what it like, what it's like to feel like there's something wrong with you. I'm, or I'm not good enough. All those self, all the expressions of, self-doubt and, and like I was saying before like I know all that stuff can be healed because it has in my case and that again is what I guide people through and by the hand in this book oh that is so so cool um yeah I, I just these days um I, I honestly I'm originally from Hong Kong and that was before um Britain gave it back to China and, and right. people were very concerned about the whole, you know, communism taking over and things like that. They don't seem to, on the surface, there wasn't a glitch in the commerce, which was the big issue with there. But it was really hard for me to imagine communism because I didn't grow up in it. But, um, and I don't know if you remember much from that first 10 years of what it felt like um, as a child, um, but do you feel personally that there's some elements of that now in America? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, we're, we're at a choice point. Um, and, and it's interesting, ironically, because, and, and I hesitate to get into the political divisiveness because it is so divisiveness, but... yeah. Whereas one uh, party in particular is, is using fear of communism or fear of socialism, um, what, what, what many, many people are missing is that it's not the system in itself that is, that is the danger. What is, da- what is the danger is the autocratic, uh, dictatorial um, practices that that very same party is actually trying to put into place. And so while mm-hmm. it's it's very kind of 1984 where you know the double speak mm-hmm. and, and using uh, fear um, and trying to project onto the other uh, people, but 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 what we need to do is like cut through, like all the all the fear that is being put into the space and look at the behaviors, right? What 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 is being done in terms of um, trying to take away voting voting rights, limiting access to the vote, li- limiting access to people's autonomy um, and, and freedom over their lives that, that, you know, that's what I grew up in, where the state owns you uh-huh. and tells you what you can and can't do. 
And, and so, so that's what I would encourage people to do is that don't be, don't allow yourself to be manipulated by fear, by the language of fear. Look at what's being done. What are the, the policies and what are, what are the practices that, that are being trying to put into place? Right. Take a look at the, the actions, the results, which is sometimes really difficult because the media hides a lot of that stuff or downright says mm-hmm. the opposite. <laughs> and the more you say something, yeah. the more people believe it. I totally get that. Um, I mean, I, yeah. you know, my, um, my dad's a big media fan. Um, so it's live and die by the media. Like it's whatever they say. So sometimes it's really hard uh, for people to know what's true. And that's where they get that sense, Kristen, of being powerless. Um, but what you're saying is that, hey, you know, let's do our own work here. Let's really put yeah. the focus back on us. And as each of us does our own work, in my words, you know, I, I you know, I talk about um, a positive morphic fields. Um, like that's a Rupert Sheldrake thing. But like I believe that as more and more of us wake up, there is a collective shifting of our collective vibration. And that's really what's going to manifest a different, you know, ideal future outcome. Um, and so everybody Big or small, whatever they do, they don't have to occupy Wall Street. They don't. They don't have to go rallying or anything like that. But, but just working on ourselves and tapping into our, you know, our own soul power is the way. Is the work. At least that's how I see things. No, I'm right. I'm right with you. Like you and I speaking the the same language, and you know, maybe using slightly different words. And and the way that you phrased it in the introduction is like you're right. That's part of the problem. Is that we. We have an ambivalent relationship to power, um, and I, w- I loved how you shared that in, in, in your in your own childhood. There was this part of you that that really connected to the superhero image, but but yet had this this co- conflict with power because mm-hmm. no wonder, like right? We we how many times have we witnessed abuse of power? All we got to do is turn on the news any given day to witness at least one abuse of power, and so. Combine that with the fact that we have been um, conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing. You know, power corrupts. Yep. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So yep. what? You know, what sensitive soul wants to be corrupted? What sensitive soul wants to abuse power? We we don't. So then, when you add what they forgot to tell us, though, is that that quote about power corrupting. Uh, Lord Acton was speaking specifically about political power, not ah. interpersonal, not personal power. So what happens then is we've gotten confused. And, and when you add to that mix the fact that we've been conditioned to believe that the emotions are bad, that the emotions are weakness, especially men, like little boys don't cry. Mm. And, yep. and why is that? You know, like, like we don't even question it well, because only little girls cry and because crying is weakness and the, and the, and the feminine is weakness. It's like, wait a minute. There's so many faulty assumptions in that whole process of thinking. You know, to to label the, the the emotions weakness is ridiculous. The emotions are not strong. They're not weak. They're not good. They're not bad. They're just energy, energy mm-hmm. flowing through our body. Like mm-hmm. what used to be spiritual teaching that everything is energy. Now we know from quantum physics, it's yeah. true. Everything is energy. Energy cannot be destroyed. Uh, so when we stuff those emotional energies, they just don't go away. They, they start having an impact on our health on the quality of our relationships, the quality of our lives, and they start showing up in unhealthy ways. Um, and so then also to, to the premise that the, that the feminine is weakness is like, wait a minute, who says? Right? If you want to talk power, you want to talk courage, you want to talk resilience, let's talk about the power of creation that resides in a female body. Mm. 
And so then what mm-hmm. happens is because we confuse, we've gotten so confused about all this stuff, is we end up giving our power away, right? We, because we have that conflicted, ambivalent relationship to power, we end up saying yes when inside we really feel no. We end up overriding our truth, our beliefs, our preferences, and, and for, for, for an illusion of security. Because we fear that if we really bead all of who we are and really step into our power, that other people couldn't hack it and they couldn't handle us and that we might end up rejected and alone. So we allow these subconscious possibilities that aren't even true to, to impact. And, and so we end up giving away our power, our innate, inherent power that no one can give to us. No one can take away. We are the only ones who can give it away. And, and the sad part, Dr. Karen, as you know, is that we give it away for the lamest, saddest of reasons. For, and so we settle, you know, for, we play small for that illusion of security, for a false sense of acceptance, and for crumbs, for, for, for an illusion of pseudo-love, and, and ah. not a good strategy. And, and so what this book is, is talking about and guiding us to, is like how do we step into our own power? How do we reclaim all this power that we've give, been given away and how do we express it in a way that is a match for that sensitive soul inside of us? You know, that how do we step into power in a way that doesn't require that we, that, that it be connected to hierarchy or force or fear or domination or manipulation that doesn't require that we step on anybody, push anybody down, put our knee to their neck in order to prop ourselves up and feel powerful. How do we do it in a different way? Right, like it's a whole new paradigm that is, uh, like you said, we, you know, we, in terms of all of humanity, have been conditioned that um, that power equals bad. You know, uh, like you said, the you know, trappings of power, fame, money, status, you know, all that kind of stuff um, is we don't want we don't want that as sensitive souls. Um, so we end up, you know, very black and white thinking because we've been conditioned. To, to think that way, that we can't be powerful and sensitive at the same time. And what you're saying is actually, <laughs> uh, yes, we can, and we don't have to do it the way we've been conditioned to think that we have to do it, through violence, through right. hierarchy, through forcing, coercion, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but really, um, you know, people do like the word empowerment. They just don't like the word power, and that's the problem too is because that that condition is like oh we shy away from that power and what i really appreciate about your book is is really using that word power and um yeah. saying hey there's another paradigm here guys <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah 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 and and when we when we you look at the etymology at the origin of that word power like for example in, in spanish in the romance languages and the 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 latin-based languages the same like like in spanish poder power and to be able to, mm. like, you know, like, like, so, so we all have that capacity inside each one of us. Um, and, and, and that's the hard part is that we are the only ones who give it away. And part of what you're, you're pointing us to is that why do we do that? Because we have, we have limited the way that we think about power. So most of us yeah. think about power in the way that you're saying like what we think who's got power okay people who have money who are famous or who who are high up in some kind of hierarchy whether it's a corporate ladder or a religious institution or whatever but all those expressions of power by being outside of us by being external they're Mm -hmm. fickle 
they can be here today and they can be gone mm-hmm. tomorrow. Like many people have learned through the pandemic, right? Jobs and co- jobs that just went belly up, companies that closed their doors, and yeah. and many people struggle with that because their identity was connected to that job or working for that particular company. And so, you know, it's rough, and I'm sorry about all the struggles that everybody has gone through, but if that's where our identity was connected to and if that's what we identified as the source of our power, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing that we have to, like, suddenly go inside and question ourselves and ask the hard questions. Well, wait a minute. If I'm not that, then who am I? Mm. And and, and where does my, my power come from? So when we look at it, you know what I call spiritual power or soulful powers. It's internal. Like nobody can give that to us. Nobody can take it away. And whereas the the worldly power is is based on um, all about externals and, and validation from from outside, and and right. it blows itself up to, to seem bigger than it is. Um, and we don't have to look very far for you know examples of either celebrities or political leaders who have all the power and all the money in the world, and yet they're miserable. And and they have the thinnest skin that, that even one tweet can send them into a tailspin um, because their, their sense of self is so fragile. Um, whereas but that other power that we're talking about, the inner power, the soulful power, it's like it is mighty. And it doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. So I think, for example, images that pop to mind, you know, either Gandhi or Gandalf, since you and I like, you and I like superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> um, in their simple, in simple monastic robes, their sandal feet, you would never know how much power they hold until it's needed. And then when we think about um, Gandhi, it brought the British Empire to its knees when it was at its highest point in terms of global reach, you know, India, Hong Kong, all over the world. America, uh, and and yet Gandhi brought it to its knees without ever shooting a single gun or landing a single mm-hmm. punch. Talk about power. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I put Jesus in that camp as well. Um, teachings of love yes. and just, yeah, just, uh, I mean, he's got the biggest MLM ever known. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the the history of humans, right? Like, you know, it just kind of kept multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. Yeah, so these are great uh, examples. So getting back to kind of a practical thing, um, just, you know, for folks listening, and they're dealing with certain situations right now, Christian, and I'd love, you know, maybe doing a little, you know, mini coaching related to that. So say we have someone who – so in a family, you know, um, the parents – one of the parents – you know, it has a job. Um, the job is mandating certain things to be done um, that they do not feel is good for their health or well-being, yet uh, are going to be at risk of losing their job or being fired if they do not do this mandated thing, which they feel personally is unhealthy. Um, so from my point of view, uh, I feel like the universe treats, I mean, responds with differently if, if – you know, if, if someone is in the same situation, but they are in agreement with this mandate um, and, the, you know, give consent that way versus someone who is in disagreement with it 
and gives reluctant consent, um, can you speak to, you know, that, that person who is thinking about giving reluctant consent because they feel like they have no choice? So this is a practical example. would love for you to, you know, speak a little bit more around that. Yeah. Well, you know, the very premise that we have no choice is, is not true. We always have a choice, mm. right? And, and it's easy to feel victimized either by, by a situation um, or, or by, by a person. But, you know, if we're talking about being on a journey of personal empowerment and, and self-expression, as long as we're holding anyone or anything outside of ourselves responsible for our state of being, we just give our power away. Mm. So whether we hold, you know, it's because we, it's most of us, it's the if only, right? If only mom hadn't done this or daddy hadn't done that. Right. Or the teacher, the minister, society, sexism, racism, homophobia. If it only wasn't for that, then I would be happy. Then I would be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, if only then my ex hadn't that. left me, right? I know we all have. We all have. Every one of us has done that at some point, right? It's this, it's the state of consciousness that humanity yeah. is stuck in. And so, if we want to break free, period, and step into our power, that is one one of the few things that I don't see a way around, right? And and it's not to minimize any of those things. It's not to say that. It's not to rationalize what anybody did or didn't do. And it's not to say that those this systems that the system is is stacked unfairly. It is right now. Um, okay. So it's not denying any of those systems. It's okay. just saying that all right. That sucked that that happened. That sucks that the way the system is unfair. And what are you going to do about it, right? How are you going to show up in response to that? And just that reframe pops us out of that victim mode of, of mm-hmm. poor me, woe is me. If it only wasn't for that. I have to do this. I have to do that. Yep. Right. That obligation. Right. It, yeah, it, I, I, it pops so us out of that. It just and it says, all right, well, that sucked. And what am I going to do about that? How am I going to show up in response? And just that reframe changes everything. And it's an empowering way to think about it. And, and mm-hmm. you know, for me, nobody embodies that better than Viktor Frankl, the Austrian psychiatrist, you know, spent years mm-hmm. in concentration camps. Mm-hmm. The, the, they took everything away from him, right? He, not only yep. his, his, de- his degree, his practice, he lost his entire family, all his belongings, yeah. his pregnant wife soulmate kind of relationship, and that guy was able to say, you know, they could take everything away from him except for one thing. And that's what we're talking about, right? The ability to to decide, to choose how he would be in response to that. And so not to minimize anybody's trauma. I know. You know, not to minimize anybody's trauma. Like we've all had stuff that we've had to deal with. So it isn't about that, but it's saying if, if he can do that there in a concentration camp, we can certainly do that in our lives. And again, it's not to minimize anybody's trauma, is not to make all right or rationalize what anybody else did or didn't do. You know, human beings do things to each other that should have never happened. And, and life is going to continue throwing curveballs our way, right? So that we can do nothing about. But we can all say, all right, you know, that sucked. And, and no matter what happened in our past, no matter what happens going forward, I always get to choose how I'm going to be in response to that. And that alone is completely empowering. That changes everything. 
Right. And it's not like you like what you're saying, too. It's like if, you know, you realize I have a conscious choice and at this moment I'm choosing this other thing, which may not be the ideal in this moment uh, in the future. But right now, that's what I'm choosing. You know, then right, it's right. really so going, a back choice. To, going back to your situation. Right. You're still great. So being in, in, in a company that may be asking me to do something that I don't agree with. Um, OK, so right. So I have a choice. I can quit, I can find another job, or I can say, you know what, it's not a time yet for me to quit. I'm going to take my time I'm gonna, I'm gonna, until I find the right thing for me. So I'm consciously making the choice, okay, I will, if it's something that I can negotiate with myself, I will play the game for X period of time until I find something that is more, more congruent with, with who I am. Mm-hmm. But we don't ever have to feel victimized because there's nobody holding holding us in, at, at gunpoint mm-hmm. at this, you know, at this work of employment. And, and yeah, it's, it's not easy to, to find another job um, because, you know, for all the, all the reasons and, and because we're in the middle of a pandemic as well. But one thing is it's like, all right, who are we going to, where are we going to place our trust? Are we going to place our trust on, on a job that could go, belly up any day are we going to place our trust on a company that could close their doors any day are we going to place our trust on on a world on a global economic system that is completely made up that is completely illusion like we used Mm -hmm. to say it's it's paper it's not even paper anymore it's just ones and zeros up on a cloud somewhere right they just print more money when they need it Exactly. It's all made up. It's all made up. Oh, it's so ridiculous. And, and so, or, or what are we going to place our trust on? Yeah. Right? That's the question. That's the question. Right. Well, and then, you know, so I am, a, you know, just naturally a, a bigger thinker, and maybe I would have felt very similarly to some of these folks too previously and, you know, did a lot of work on myself, so I feel differently now. Um, but like you said, like, if I and, and there are several you know friends of mine in this situation, you know that uh, you know and some are saying I have to do this because otherwise I'll lose my job. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, so you love your job so much and you have such faith in your job, <laughs> you know it's always going to be there and they treat you well and well no they don't. Well I don't really right. love my job, you know. So you're doing exactly. it for money. So what you're saying you're exchanging your ideals and what you feel is best for you for money. So. They call that in, in um, you know, in, in um, Carolyn Mace's book, Sacred Contracts, uh, she talks about these different archetypes. That is the prostitute archetype. It's not good or bad. It's just an archetype that we're working with in right. this, you know, in this uh, place. And so when I, when I heard, was reading about this prostitute archetype, I, I, I thought to myself, what am I willing to give up in my power uh, for something else, you know, uh, for money? you know, for status, for recognition, for what, and yeah, some of that did yeah, not yeah. feel good, Kristen. <laughs> it did not. So I yeah, started making no, those changes. Um, absolutely. And, uh, you're absolutely right. You, we, we're selling ourselves for that illusion of security. Of security and safety, yeah. Yeah, and if you're telling me, okay, well, I'm selling myself, you know, I, I make 500000 mm. a year, three quarters of a million. You know, okay, then we can talk about selling ourselves. But the sad part is that most of us are selling ourselves really cheaply. We're selling ourselves that, that the 
majesty, that the uniqueness of our human potential, um, all that brilliance that lies inside of us, we're, all that power, right, that ability to do, that that's the power inside of us. Like we sell it ourselves so cheaply. Oh, and and that's, what you, that's what you and I are saying. It's like, wait a minute, you know, what, where are you going to place your trust? What are you going to sell yourself to? Right, because our actions, to me, our actions seem to um, inform the universe of what to give us more of. I mean, people call that mm-hmm. the law of attraction, whatever, you know, it's a law of resonance, whatever you want to call it. But whatever decisions we make, we make it out of fear. In this case, it would be out of fear. Now, it's a different story, mm-hmm. I find, Christian. If someone says, hey, I'm, I'm really pro this thing that they want me to do, I totally believe in it. I really want to do it. You know, and they go and do it. That 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 it's like the universe is informed differently because that person made that conscious choice and they really want to do it and they're okay with it. Like I feel like that is um, not necessarily you know selling their power in in a way. Maybe they're not. You know, maybe other people would say, well, you're not as informed, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, they want to do it. They believe in it. And epigenetics, you know, we know that what we really, really believe in, right, and feel good about, we probably get a better, you know, response in a way. Um, For for people that think this is wrong and I don't want to do it and then feel forced to do it, I almost feel like the universe gives them bigger feedback, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 for sure. And and, 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 you know, it's like, and you and I are not saying, you know, quit your job tomorrow. It's like you mm-hmm. say, you know, what we're saying is like, you know, go within. The, that's where the power resides, inside each and every one of us. And, and, and what is to get clear about? What is true for you? What, what are your values that are, like, not mm-hmm. negotiable? And, and, and yeah. both whether it's in, re- in a relationship with another human or with a company, right? What is negotiable and what is not negotiable? Wow. Like I, I'm wow. willing to have some wiggle room here. Yep. But in this area, no. I, I don't have any wiggle room here. Like, whatever, the, whatever it is, that's going to be different for, for every one of us. Like, in, in a personal relationship, like, for one of us, is like, nope, smoking is not negotiable. Nope. Right. Nope. And because of all, all, that, in, all that implies. Uh, but for other people, it's like, you know, I could, I could, I could have wiggle room there. So as long as they don't smoke in the house, uh, as long as they're taking care of themselves and honoring their body in other ways, and then maybe, right? So we all get to make those choices. Nobody, nobody else can make those for us. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really transparent, Christian, right now, and and tell people, uh, you know, what one of these. Uh, some people may call it compromise. I, I want to call it a conscious choice that I recently made. So, um, you know, sometimes in the ideal world, I would love to say, oh, I, I ideally did all of these things that I think were perfectly morally, ethically, whatever, uh, you know, perfect. Um, but in this case, you know, I got a, you know, got a bill in the mail. It was for school taxes, uh, which, you know, I'm very happy to report. I have money to pay now. In the past, I didn't. <laughs> So, so, right. and, uh, and I know maybe the money isn't spent in the ways that we really love my, I come from a family of teachers. I believe in paying teachers, you know, um, and I come from Canada. So I, you know, I don't know the whole education system here. And in the past I, you know, it was like, okay, wow, I'm, I'm really happy. I have money to pay school taxes, right? Most people don't like to pay taxes, but I'm like, Hey, I'm really happy. I have money to pay school taxes. Well, this year came around and I realized that in New York state, they're mandating, um, 
coverings uh, for children's faces, which I'm very much against for health reasons, uh, psychological reasons, mental health, physical health, all the, all the data, you know, points that this is dangerous, they don't need it, you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And to me, as I, as I put a judgment word on that, and so I thought to myself, why am I paying taxes to an organization <laughs> who is making children do that? That doesn't seem right to me, you know. So I thought, okay, well, I had some, you know, good uh, coaches, friends, and mentors, you know, and I said, look, I, I'm thinking about not paying it and in writing a letter saying, look, you need to give me this data, this evidence. Like, I'm questioning why I'm happy to pay it, but I don't like this mandate, you know. Get rid of this mandate, you know, and, and I'm happy to pay it, right? And here's the thing. That would mean going to court. That would mean possibly losing my home, blah, 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 right? But uh, me being, you know, uh, almost to the extreme, um, I was, like, willing to do that. Uh, however, you know, one of my friends said, look, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to give you the bigger picture. You don't actually have status in their court, you are like a nothing. So, yeah, you could do this, and, and that would be a way to push back, and, and that could be really helpful for other people. And at the same time, is this where you want to put your energies, Dr. Karen, right now? Is this, right. Would this help more people right now with the time and effort it would take for you to write all those letters and da 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 right? And I thought about it, and I meditated about it, and the answer was <sighs> no, <laughs> no. There are other things I can right. put my energies in that are going to make a bigger difference to more people and the people that are already in my tribe, right, who need help and support. And there's all the stuff that I could do and I continue to do for free and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, so I said, yeah, you know, I said to my mentor, I said, I think I, think I got your point because there, there were parents that already pulled their children out of school because they felt very strongly this was not healthy for their children. So I'm fighting for the children who are left in that, who are not in my tribe. You know what I mean? Like that their parents aren't in my tribe. Right. Right. Um, and it would be an uphill battle because I don't have status in their court, and I don't know enough about the law and things like that to, to hold my own court. I don't understand that yet. So why don't I step back and find those things out? You know, take the time to investigate those things, learn those things. There's a lot of things I do not understand. I know lots of medicine stuff, of course, but all the legal I, I really don't understand. So yeah, so I went and paid the taxes. So one could one yeah. could from the outside argue, hey Dr. Karen, that was not very ethical of you. You know, because that wasn't in alignment with what you felt was right and true. And but what you're saying, Christian, and what I'm saying is like, okay, well ha, ha, you know, I'm making a conscious choice here. It's like I'm not gonna stand right. up or fight in this you know, time, because the timing's not right, and I don't have enough information, and I want to impact right. the, the most people. And so I'm choosing this other path, which is not ideal, but I believe that I need to learn more, and maybe next year it might be a different story. <laughs> when yeah, yeah. No, and so you're absolutely right. It's, it's about choice and about conscious choice and about mm -hmm. choosing our battles. Whether it's yeah. in relationship to to the system like that, like you're pointing to, or whether it's just in our own personal relationships, like yeah. we are going to have to negotiate some things that that we would rather not do, and, and yet you know it's like okay tonight we have pizza, tomorrow night we have Chinese. Um, mm. That's part of any relationship where we have to compromise and agree with things. So, but that's part of what we're talking about. What are we willing to negotiate, and what are we willing to not negotiate? And, and in, in your yeah. example, it's like, okay, well, yeah, I would rather not do this, 
but there are definite repercussions if I don't pay my taxes. And right now, at this point in my life, it's not worth for me to take on that battle. And I'd rather refocus in my energies and making a difference in the ways that I do, whether it's with my clients or whether it's through the, the radio show, that I know that I can continue to educate people. That's right. So this is what I will choose to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, I know, I know I'd, I'd mentioned a couple of things on Facebook related to that, but I, I think sometimes too, I don't know, you get this as well, Christian, is that sometimes, you know, people, you know, follow you, either your, you know, your students or whatever, and, and then um, they have an ideal and they put you on a pedestal and they go, well, they must do everything perfect, you know, um, and that's not what we're saying, right? right? There, there is no... no there is no ideal perfection, and if you do it, you're good, and if you don't do it, you're bad. And, and this is—I had no, very I, rigid thinking before. I mean, and I and I, I, and I work on that <laughs> on a regular basis <laughs> on my yeah, rigid no, thinking. For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And I'm a—I'm a—you know—I get that too. I'm a recovering perfectionist. And, and what oh, I've yeah. learned, um, Dr. Yep. what I've learned Thank is you. that you know perfectionism is just overcompensating. We're not mm-hmm. feeling good enough. Yeah. Right? Like in my case, I had to be 4.0 in, in high school, 4.0 in college, yep. editor of the paper, this and that. I don't care about any of that. This award, today. that award, yeah. And, but, yeah. but, you know, for me it was just that's the way because I, I had such low self-esteem, that's what, that's what I needed to, to feed my ego, to, to validate who I was because I lacked mm-hmm. that core sense of self-love and self-acceptance. But now that I've healed that, now that that core self-love and self-acceptance are in place and unshakable, like then all those external ways to validate ourselves are completely unnecessary. Like I don't need anybody to tell me that, uh, to put me up on a pedestal to tell me how good I am. It's like, no, I know what I'm good at mm-hmm. and I know where, where I'm, I'm not so good at. And yeah. I don't need that, that going out out of my way to prove to the world and to yep. prove to, to myself continually that I'm good enough because that's what perfectionism is. Like in my case, I can't be president of the U.S. because I'm naturalized. But if I were, then that's not enough. Then I'd have to be president of North America. Then I'd have to be president <laughs> of the Earth. Then I'd have to be president of the solar system and the galaxy, and it's insatiable. Right. Insatiable. Well, I definitely wouldn't want to be president of any country. I can say that right yeah, now. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> not interested in that at all. At all, yeah. at all. No, yeah. thank you. No, <laughs> no, yeah. no thank, you. thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, I just can't yeah. imagine, you know, how challenging that is. So, um, oh my gosh, I, I did want to share with folks that if you're listening live uh, to Christian and myself have this chat, you know, you can weigh in on the conversation as well. You know, give us your comments. What are you going through right now, as listeners? If you're live on the call, you can call in at eight one eight five one four eleven ninety. Hit one so we know your hand is up and would like to speak. Uh, also, I've just opened up the online chat as well. So if you're live, you can put your comments in the chat. Uh, let us know. Um, oh, some people are putting their hands up. Okay, awesome. You know, like, I, I think sometimes, Christian, it's really helpful when people are dealing with a specific personal situation to have you weigh in on that from your point of sure. view. Maybe they have multiple different points of view. I say things one way. You might say things another way, which connects to people. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's just there's just so many decisions that people are being asked to make. So I'm going to go ahead and unmute our first caller here Area code 
uh, 814. I'm just going to unmute you in a moment. You can get ready. Uh, in the meantime, I just wanted to remind folks to get a copy of um, Christian's awesome book. It's soulfulpower.com is the website. So S O U L F U L P O W E R.com. Um, highly recommend a copy of this book. And of course, get on the mailing list so you'll know when the next, you know, book in the series uh, becomes available. Okay, so 814, let me unmute you. And you can just Hi, let us know your first Dolores. name. Hi. Dolores. Hi. Hey. Great to hear you. Hi, Dolores. <laughs> Hi. So, you know, through all of this pandemic, it's kind of like turned my world upside down with, you know, deaths and people recovering and um, I ha- I'm having a hard time. I guess I want to know, do you have any advice for honing in and focusing on yourself? Mm. Yes. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. And, and that's part of what we were talking about, feeling like adrift in life. Like there's so much powerful stuff happening in the world. That's, it's not hard to feel like, oh, my God, completely powerless and and just being pushed this way and thrown the other way. And so, you know, I live in South Florida these days, and, you know, we're very used to storms, to hurricanes. And, but we all get the, the visual of the eye of the storm, right? And that's what I would recommend, that, that we take that practice, right? We allow all of the drama of life, all of, mm-hmm. every, you know, all of, all of the people's judgments and expectations and demands of us and what their beliefs are, like we just, you're, you stand free. As the eye of the storm, you allow all that stuff around you and you drop into yourself, right? which is where okay. all the power and all the strength, is, and strength are. And so, um, so that, and, and one way to, be, to begin to drop in is just follow your breath, right? Close your eyes for five minutes and, and allow the breath to guide you and you consciously breathe a little deep. Or so. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's uh, <laughs> Stone is one of the techniques so. that I teach in, in the book. I think it's whatever works. Whatever works. Um, okay. I think yeah. I was feeling selfish. You know, I, I I'm, was feeling selfish, and that's probably from rearage of growing up Catholic. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that one. I'm a recovering Catholic as well. <laughs> Oh yeah, You're feeling selfish and guilty. <laughs> oh yeah, well, my Chinese heritage, we we do the guilt thing a lot too. I got to double dose. And yeah. before, I completely understand Christian because I live in Texas, so I, I totally get the eye of the storm. Okay, so that gives me that that affirms how I was feeling. I should handle it, but that guilt was just still hanging on there. Okay. Mm. Oh, Christian, did we lose your audio? I didn't. I I'm back. I'm back now. Oh, I there you go. Okay. Now. I don't know what happened there, oh, but there I, you I are. couldn't I'm hear sorry. you for a bit. No, no, I'm back. Okay. I don't know what happened there, but I couldn't hear you all for a bit. <laughs> I was saying that what you said reaffirmed how I was thinking I should handle it. One, I understand the eye of the storm because I live in Texas. Um, <laughs> two. <laughs> <You definitely laughs> two. 
uh, Dr. Karen and I, we were relating on the fact of growing up Catholic, so that's ingrained, and that's something that you deal with forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guilt perspective of feeling guilty for not spreading myself so thin and thinking of me first. So, But I, I, that made me feel, that reassured me that I'm okay to do that. And I guess I just needed that. <laughs> Well, you know what? It's it's not only that, but you know we've been conditioned not only Catholics, but we certainly have for you know former Catholics that we're we're so ingrained to give, 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 and to serve others, and not just us. Many, many. I would say most of us are, and and yes. so. But we've gotten confused. We've we've gotten conditioned to believe that self care is selfish. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and it's not. It's the opposite because what happens then is we give and we give and we give. If we're not, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we, we start depleting ourselves. And then that service, we start resenting it because we're, we're not mm-hmm. taking care of self. So we start getting tired and exhausting ourselves and spreading ourselves too thin, like you were saying. And and then we start resenting the giving, and and we start getting bitter about it. And so then that service turns into servitude and we start feeling Mm -hmm. trapped by it and Mm -hmm. and so the way around that is like wait a minute wait a minute self-care is not only not selfish but it's mandatory so the first thing they tell us when when we get on the plane is what put on your mask first even before that of a kid Mm -hmm. so that we take care of self so that we take care of others otherwise otherwise it doesn't work and we burn out so it's mandatory going forward to take care of self yeah, if we're gonna mandate something, that's that's a good one. <laughs> right. I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a meme, Dolores. You'll see that meme. <laughs> new new mandate, self care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mandatory. I, yeah, if we if we could make that mandatory, that's a good one. Right? Take care of self. Yeah. It needs to be. Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree. I do know people that do that, and and I guess I feel. I feel empathy for them because other family members think they're highly selfish. And, you know, I have, mm-hmm. to, and then I try not to, um, I try not to defend because it's not my place to defend, but there are a lot of times where I'm like, they're just taking care of themselves. They're doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes there's no way we can, you know, our job is not to convince someone otherwise, right? Or or try to say you're wrong, yeah. this isn't selfish, this is self-care. I mean, they're not in that space to understand or appreciate that. I wouldn't have appreciated that 40 years ago. So exactly. we can be, yeah, we can be empathetic yeah. and understand where they're coming from. But, yeah, not necessarily rescue, which is what you and I like to do as well, like to rescue others yeah. that don't have a voice. <laughs> Something out sometimes. It's like okay, well, you know, but we can actually see them in our mind's eye as empowered, as standing up for themselves, and and we just have to model that for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. BP. Right. You know, something I'm learning, and I have to reiterate it to myself. You know, positive thinking about that person. What do I appreciate about that person? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And trying to visualize it so. you know, it, that energy can balance right towards them. So, yes. But thank you very much. And um, I don't want to take up all the time to let somebody else talk, but thank you very much. Thanks, Dolores, for calling in. Uh-huh. Thank you, Dolores. You're yeah, welcome. Okay, I'm gonna, thank you. Uh-huh. We're going to meet you now. Um, so, 
you know the you know, I have to I have to laugh a little bit, Christian, because in the past, uh, you know, when I was looking at different um, meditation practices, and uh, I joke about not being a great meditator because I just had this mythology in my mind that it had to be a certain way. You know, you had to do it a certain way, and I couldn't do it well, so forget it. <laughs> That's pretty much how I was. And you just right. mentioned one of those things. It's like uh, following the breath, and it's it's almost like in our society, if it's simple, it can't be any good. yeah there's like this 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 this, yeah because i was like oh i'm a medical doctor blah 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 you know all all the schooling yada yada it can't be that can't be that easy can't be that simple and yet now you know i think you know my left brain is very you know uh really likes data right so now people have come up with all this science (laughs) to back up these ancient practices about breathing and how we don't breathe well and what a difference it can make to our autonomic nervous system and our brain chemistry just breathing i was like whoa it's, i know i know i know you know it's taken me 30 years to get convinced but <laughs> i know i know well, you know if it, as a breathwork practitioner as i i see i see how it works when my dad was a psychiatrist my degree is in psychology i was on a track to get a phd mm. When mm-hmm. I discovered breathwork 30 years ago, I jumped tracks because it works so fast and Amazing. heals so profoundly at so many levels. And I know that sounds too good to be true, even 30 years later, you know, that it can heal not only past trauma emotionally, mentally, but, they can, but that it can also heal spiritually and physically just from breathing in a certain way for a certain period of time. Like, I know that still sounds too good to be true, but it works. I can't argue with the results. It works. Mm. Love it, and love and it. it's the power of the breath. That's what that's what my TEDx talk is about. Is the power of the breath. And and what's interesting, uh, it's that if we if we start digging a little deeper into that, if we look at most religions and spiritual traditions, the same word, one word, can mean can mean um, spirit or it can mean breath. So from mm. the ancient Greek pneuma, and from which we get pneumonia, that word pneuma meant both lung and soul. And from the Latin root spidare, we get both respiration and inspiration or expiration. And and here's one of my favorite ones. In in Hawaiian, ha means both breath and spirit. And and so they have a word that the indigenous people have a word that the way they they refer to foreigners um, as haoles. Haoles, yeah. Not a nice term. It's, (laughs) it's, It's kind of derogatory. But what it means literally is no breath. And, and oh. so how interesting is that? How interesting, interesting. is that? <laughs> Oh, my yeah. gosh. And I've, I've heard this joke going around recently in some of the TV shows. Uh, they call them mouth breathers. Like, that's a derogatory term. I was like, I don't get it, you know, but now I kind of do. <laughs> now <laughs> that I learned the, more about uh, mouth breathers. So um, I was interviewing uh, Patrick McEwen of the Boteco Breathing Method. Now his, this latest book is like a tome. I mean, it's humongous, but it's all this data and evidence and thousands of people that he's helped with, with breathing. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a, from a different perspective, you know, than, than what you're teaching, but, you know, similar beneficial um, practices. And um, w- the one thing that I have I can say, uh, started to do, um, because my left brain wanted data, of course, before I did it, um, was that uh, just breathing in and out through the nose is not what people normally do. And I gotten into that habit of breathing in and out through my mouth all the time, and that there's all sorts of problems with that. And I didn't realize 
that there was a difference. <laughs> um, so just learning to breathe through the nose. I put my tongue at the roof of my mouth. And uh, when I'm interviewing folks, I have a little bit more difficulty because I'm not as trained yet in breathing through my nose. But I do notice right. some uh, teachers that I listen to, like uh, Greg Braden, when he speaks, he takes the time to breathe in and out through his nose before he says the next sentence. And I was like, why does that look so weird? <laughs> because most people don't yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started to, to practice Yeah, and, that. and that's a huge conversation that we don't have time to get into. But, but yes, I think as a general rule, yes. Um, and there's some breathing techniques that are in and out the mouth that there, there's, there's, there's a time and a place for. Right, um, like specific purposes yeah. and intentions. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a, you know, obviously, you know, like, unlike you, you know, a breath coach or expert, but I remember when I was taking Kundalini yoga and we had to do these really breath of fire and these other weird, to me, very, very weird um, breath exercises. I got to tell you, it really made me feel different afterwards in a, in a good sure. way, in yeah. a good way. And I was like, this for is interesting. Sure. For sure. <laughs> For sure, yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's a it's a black and white thing. I think as a general right. thing, yes, nose nose breathing is, is healthy and the way to go for for different reasons. But there are certain techniques and certain practices and certain times where the mouth breathing is is good and it's appropriate. Right, as a practice. Um, yeah, I yeah. don't think mm -hmm. necessarily having your mouth open while you're sleeping all night long is a good idea. Um, no, you know no, things no, like that. No. Um, yeah, which, is, which I think is more what he's talking about, what Patrick is talking about. Yeah, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. So, uh, so Christian, can you tell us just, you know, about, um, um, you know, people can get your book at soulfulpower.com um, or do we have, do you have retreats coming up or classes, things where people can connect with you and how do they do that? Yeah, I haven't started up the retreats yet because, you know, as, as we're talking about, I do offer breath work in the retreats, and so I don't feel like mm -hmm. I, I can provide a safe environment yet, but I can guarantee a safe environment in that way, in the same way that part of I create a, a safe environment mentally and spiritually and emotionally. Um, mm -hmm. I don't feel that I, can, that I can do that physically in this point, not yet, not with the new variants right. and all, that, the, all the stuff that we're facing. So I'm pushing back retreats until next year. I have mm -hmm. created a a virtual year-long coaching program that, that I'm really enjoying and I'm excited about because the retreats are great, and I'll go back to them as soon as we can. And I've also noticed that in some cases, they'll come to a retreat and they'll have this amazing transformational experience. And if they don't have a support system, if they don't have a practice, when they yep. go back home, it's easy to to get distracted by infinite distractions and to get pulled back into the day-to-day and then, you know, pretty uh -huh. soon, if, if time goes by and those old voices of fear and self-doubt and the self-sabotaging and self-limiting behavior start sneaking up again and pulling us down, and then they have to come do another retreat. What I'm loving about this year-long coaching program is I get to deliver the material, the content, piecemeal, bite-sized. But uh -huh. here's the difference with interactivity. So every week they get a little bit of content, you know, maybe five pages, and pages to read, but they're practices that are that are go with them, that are designed to apply the teachings to our lives, to integrate them into our lives, so that they don't stay at the level of information. We've got way too much information. There's information overload. What we need is transformation, and that comes from applying, integrating yeah. teachings into our lives. 
And so that's what that's what the practices are designed to do. And then there's also I get to put in a, an element of support and accountability. So every two uh-huh. weeks we have group coaching sessions, you know, with me, and uh-huh. there's a system of accountability to keep it, every, to keep us all doing what we said we were going to do, which we need. Like we all, you know, so we a all need that. that. Absolutely. We need coaching. We need support, and we need sometimes somebody to hold our hand and support us, and sometimes a you know a small kick in the butt comes in helpful. Um, to, to, you know, to, to push us back beyond our comfort zone. So, so that's, that's what I'm loving about the year long. So in terms of how to, where to find my book, um, you can find it at your local bookstore. You can get it on Amazon. And in terms of how to reach me, I think the best way is what you're, what you're pointing people to is my website. And from there, they can get information about all my programs, about the book, and access my social media from there. That's great. And it looks like you have a link here um, to schedule a call with you to see if that uh, either the VIP or the other private coaching or coaching programs is yeah. the right fit, correct, for that person? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a free call um, that, you know, just to get a sense of where they are and uh-huh. find out more about my offerings and then to see there's how I can best support them on their journey of, of self-discovery and personal empowerment. Mm, that's great. So uh, just for everyone listening in, it's soulfulpower.com, so S-O-U-L-F-U-L-P-O-W-E-R.com, all one word. And uh, I, I think that these days, you know, they're, they're like like you said, there's so much information overload and what we really need is transformation. Uh, anyone that I know who is successful in the spheres of their life, whether it be work or um, relationships or health or healing, Every single one of those persons has people person anyway me and my grammar um, has an accountability partner and or coaches you know exactly. um, and I think it's really hard to expect oneself to um, not to say it can't be done you know but but we only have what we know and our perspective and sometimes we need that com- that perspective from the other a coach accountability partner things like that they can really help us on a way so i know for me i've made huge leaps and bounds um having a mentor having coaches in fact i have about three right now not including my skating coaches <laughs> um and uh yeah and, and it's made a huge difference it's probably saved me decades of struggling honestly um, oh my god so, oh my god me yeah. too i have coaches too yeah yeah, so I, I think it's I think it's really important, and, and it needs to be somebody that you resonate with, you know, that you're on the same page with. Not every coach is right for each person, so um, you know, if, if the listeners listening to the show either live on the replay, you know, feel an alignment, feel like a resonance, um, you know, with with our guest here, Christian, um, then you know, check out uh, the offerings and see if it's a fit for you. And, and at the end of the day, you know, choose someone who is a fit and who you know will help support you because we are here as humans, um, spiritual beings living a human physical experience, we are not really supposed to be doing this alone. I mean, the whole point of being embodied and, and is, is to be in relationship with each other. Um, so I believe exactly. it's really important and just being able to, and, and you'll change over time. You know, a coach that's perfect for you right now may be different from five years from now or 10 years from now yeah. as you level up and, and a good coach and mentor will know that. 
right? And they'll be like, okay, yeah, yeah. our time is done. It's time for you to move on, right? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the, good, the purpose is not to foster dependency, but right. it's to empower people to, to soar and to fly and, and to have lives that are, that are filled with meaning and, and purpose and a sense of personal empowerment and, uh, you know, relationships that have a chance at working. So that's, that's we, we touch on, in my year long, we touch all those areas of life. And so that we look mm. at the relationship part of it. Why do we sometimes get stuck in, in patterns of relationship that feel like, wow, I've seen this boring movie before. I've been here before. Yeah. It might be a different <laughs> co-lead, a different actor, but it's the same boring yeah. crap. Yeah. The same pattern, same conflict, same stuff. So at some right. point we got to get honest and with ourselves and, and realize, uh, you know, there's one constant, one common denominator to every one of those arguments and every one of those relationships and that's us and so then to turn that mirror around and to look at ourselves and ask well, why do we do the things we do why do we attract a certain kind of pattern a certain kind of relationship um, and 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 then once we understand then we can break those patterns and make choice introduce choice into the equation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I love it. I love it. That's great. So, Christian, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, thank you for your amazing book. I look forward to um, whenever the next one is published. Let's let's get back on the show and and let's talk about the relationship oh, book. Does that sound good? I would love that. And thank you so much, Karen. Thanks so much for having me. I would love to be back on the show once the other book comes out. And thank you for doing all you do on on all our behalf. I know that your your willingness to have the show makes a difference on countless lives. So thank you for, mm. for all that. Mm. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, bless you, Christian. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, lots of love, everyone. Bye for now.